Blessings to Israel Ministries presents God First, a program committed to encouraging you to put God first while viewing life through the window of the Bible. In honor of the one and only true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's join Brian C. Thomas for today's message. Greetings to all in the wonderful name of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Brian Thomas. Welcome to the God First program presented by Blessings to Israel Ministries. I am here today with the man that I've gotten to know over the last year, Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries. He is a man that is just full of knowledge and wisdom and most importantly has a true heart for the Lord. It's always an honor and a privilege to speak with you. And Nathan, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Brian. Wow, man, you're going to make my head so big it won't fit through the door. <laughs> we're just all servants of the Lord, and uh, I just hope your audience knows what a blessing you are, too. I've, I've really been impressed with uh, your dedication to the Lord and your deep research and your articles and all that. And I think Blessings to Israel Ministries is uh, a blessing, not just to Israel, but to all the believers in Christ. Oh, well, thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Well, we are going to speak today on the dangers of date setting and in particular as it relates to Harold Camping. Now, before we get started, I want to give a little introduction for any listeners that may not be familiar with Nathan. Nathan Jones is evangelist and web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries, reaching out to the two billion plus people accessible over the Internet with the message of the soon return of Jesus Christ. A lifelong student of Bible and an ordained minister, Nathan has been working towards a Master's of Divinity, beginning with Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Nathan can be found growing and developing Lamb and Lion Ministries website at www.lamblion.com writing about Bible prophecy daily on the Christ and Prophecy Journal blog at www.lamblion.us, discussing Jesus' soon return on the Christ and Prophecy Facebook group, producing end-time video messages, being interviewed on radio programs, guest co-hosting the ministry's television program, Christ and Prophecy, and answering Bible-related questions emailed in from all over the world. And once again, Nathan, it is an honor and a uh, privilege to have you. And can you begin by giving our listeners a little background on Harold Camping, exactly who he is and and what's the history behind Harold Camping? Well, I guess you'd have to be in a closet for the last 20 years not to know who Harold Camping is. (laughs) I remember back in my college years in the early 90s working at a uh, TGI Fridays, and it seemed like on the news every night with all the TVs around there, I'd hear about this Harold Camping guy, some, some guy who's saying that the end of the world is coming. Uh, he believed it would be September 6th of 1994, and the uh, whole world was watching him. I mean, he seemed to have all his uh, P's and Q's together, and he seemed to know exactly what the, the Bible was like. He had some kind of hidden understanding of the Bible that nobody else had. And, uh, well, September 6th came and went, and he became a big laughing stock, and everybody kind of had a big joke with him. They all sighed relief, <laughs> many of them, and uh, moved on. And I haven't heard much of Harold Camping for, wow, you know, almost 15 years or so. But uh, Harold Camping, uh, he's an older gentleman, about uh, oh, reaching his 90s, actually, but he spent many years as a head of Family Radio uh, Network. The Family Radio Network has uh, 150 radio stations across the United States. Uh, many people listen to his radio station. He's got a lot of money and a lot of efforts. And his passion is, is well, like Lamb and Lion Ministries' passion. Our passion is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Well, he feels that he should proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ as well. But uh, he does it by, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, a, a number of different means that aren't quite biblically sound. 
So uh, he has spent a lot of time uh, doing that. He wrote a book, 1994, and he set the day of the Lord's return, like I said, September 6, 1994. Didn't happen, so he created another book, uh, wrote it, Time Has an End, and he set another date of May 21, 2011. I'm sure, Brian, you remember that. Earlier this year, the whole world, again, was just as interested in Harold Camping as they were back in 1994, and that date came and went, and the whole world laughed, and they laughed at you and me, and they laughed at all the Bible prophecy ministries, and they laughed at the Bible. Even worse, they laughed at Jesus Christ. So yeah. Harold Camping uh, got really sick after that and kind of disappeared. He, I give it to the man. He really believes what he preaches. But now he has a new date, and this is the last drop-dead date, October 21st, 2011. Jesus will return, and, you know, that's this month. And, <laughs> well... Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that more why that, that can't be, but uh, I think this is it for him. If he doesn't get this right, then uh, his health is just declining so much that that'll be the end of him. Yeah, yeah. And and you're right. Um, he, as you mentioned, with his radio stations, he does have a huge amount of wealth, in my, my understanding, and based on a Fox News report, that in 2009, his nonprofit organization filed in RS, IRS filings, it received $18.3 million in donations. And that is along with assets of over $104 million, including $34 million in stocks and securities. So this guy, again, he's a, a date setter, and then he has millions of dollars to throw around and, and promote this. So he, he really gets a lot of airtime with it. He had billboards all over the country, he had t-shirts, he had bumper stickers, all pointing people to his website, wecanknow.com. Uh, I remember just walking down the street and camping followers are almost like a crazed cult-like mentality, are handing out brochures and these really complicated brochures filled, I mean, you wouldn't want to read it, they're, they're tiny, you know, nine-point font explaining why this is the end, and, and these people live, and they... Brian, they, they sold their, their houses. They gave up their life savings. I mean, they thought it was the end. Why did they need that anymore? And they all gave it to Harold Camping. So his money rests on the backs of people who believe him so much that they're willing to give up everything and give the money to him. Right, yeah. And that's really sad. And, yeah, the billboards were all over the place. 5,000, my understanding. 5,000 billboards. I think there were about 20 RVs. Matter of fact, one of those billboards was about five miles from, from my house. And so I would see it every morning on the way to work, the May 21st judgment date that he had. And so, um, yeah, Harold Camping has a lot of money to throw around. And sadly, there are a lot of people that follow him. And so we'll we'll get into that a little bit more as we go further into the discussion. Now, his method of date setting, it seems to parallel a theory that was developed centuries ago. Can you speak a little bit to the historical precedence as to how Harold Camping comes up with his methods of date setting? Well, sure. Uh, these date setters are, are all the same. Every generation seems to have one. And uh, American history is resplendent with date setters. I mean, uh, one of the main signs that Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we'll know the end times is because of the amount of false prophets and false teachers that have come in the world, and definitely he's one of them, and there are many others throughout American history, especially as we get closer to the Lord's return. Uh, you can go back back to Vermont in the uh, 1820s. There was a, a gentleman, he was a farmer named William Miller, and uh, he believed that the earth would, uh, Jesus would come back on March 21st of, of 1844, and he took this passage in Daniel 8.14, that read uh, unto 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed and then he just he just ran with it. he said well 2300 days must mean 2300 years and well if the sanctuary was cleansed in 457 bc then jesus is coming back on march 21st 
1844. And, uh, well, you know, this is the 21st century. <laughs> it didn't happen. And, uh, well, he said, well, okay, same like Camp Day. He came up with another day. Okay, I'm wrong. It must be October 22nd, 1844. And, you know, this had reached all over, not this is country, but the world. Everybody at that time period was, was riveted to this. They thought, all right, they're getting excited. But when it didn't happen, the newspapers called it the Great Disappointment. Mm -hmm. And obviously it was. A lot of people disappointed. Same with camping. A lot of people gave them all their money. They actually went out into the hills in white robes, just looking up in heaven, waiting to be raptured. And uh, it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, like Harold Camping's health is declining. Uh, William Miller, uh, he declined greatly. He died in disgrace in 1849. And uh, that's a sad thing. But, you know, uh, people seem to like being deceived. Uh, later, uh, there was a number of Miller's followers. Uh, there was a particular one named Ellen G. White. It was a teenage girl at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, she really latched on to that. And so what most date setters do when nothing happens is they spiritualize the event. They say, well, something must have happened to heaven. And so she came up with this idea that, oh, okay, on October 22nd, 1844, God did this investigative judgment. In other words, he locked himself in heaven. He got out the books. And like Santa Claus, he tried to pick who was good and who was bad. And he's been doing that since then. And he, uh, she credited the problem that Jesus didn't come. She blamed it on the church, saying, well, the church is worshiping the Lord on Sunday and not Saturday, and therefore, that's why Jesus didn't come. He's mad at us because we're worshiping him on the wrong day. And so this new group of, of Christians started called the Seventh-day Adventists. And if right. you've ever read to them, their primary goal, their primary belief seems to be wrapped around worshiping on Saturday. And if you're not worshiping on Saturday, if you're worshiping on Sunday, well, that's the mark of the beast, and you're going to hell and all that. Mm. So she kind of kept William Miller's beliefs going. And to this day, there's a plenty of Seventh-day Adventists out there, and they still, they still are, are pretty tied to William Miller. So uh, these cults' uh, type of thinking continues on well past the date setters and even their deaths. Uh, that's quite interesting. And, and what I typically find, and, and you can uh, confirm this, when it comes to the Seventh-day Adventists, they don't really put that up front as far as that, that they are part of that group of that denomination. They seem to sort of slide that under the radar. They kind of talk, start talking with you and teaching you some things, and then you later on find out, oh, yeah, that's what they believe. That's what they're a part of. Oh, yeah. just They have well, they really love Bible prophecy, and they have a lot of conferences. I went to one of them, and uh, I had no idea it was a Seventh-day Adventist one, really. And, and mm -hmm. you get to the last day, and boom, they pop it on you. You say, okay, this, we're the Seventh-day Adventists you don't go to church and, and worship God on Saturday, then, you know, you're, you're not saved and you need to recommit and you need to join the Seventh-day Adventist church because we're the true church. And, you know, it, it's, if you really believe in what you're saying, then why do you have to hide it to the end? Right. And that's uh, sadly what the seven. Now, there's some good believers in the Seventh-day Adventist that I think are, are deceived, and I've met, met a number of them, but uh, it's, it's the same Harold Camping mindset. This, this can't let go of these false prophets and what they say. Mm, right. Yeah, we're definitely in an age of deception, without a doubt. Now, oh, amen, yes. Yeah, now, Just like Jesus said would happen before his return. Absolutely, signs of the times. So let's go now into camping. He has some blatant errors when it comes to interpreting Bible prophecy, and that's how he builds these calculations, these scenarios of his, how he uh, perceives end-time events occurring, how he comes up with these dates. So can you kind of point out some of these errors that he has when it comes to his way of interpreting prophecy? any cult leaders, because this is what the cults do, is they'll look at the Bible, they won't take it for its plain sense, literal interpretation, and they spiritualize it. 
And he has been known to say that the Bible is nothing more than a giant parable. And when there's a parable, it's a spiritual or earth, they teach us in Bible college, it's a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. And so he runs with all these passages and makes it mean whatever he wants. And just like William Miller, he takes Daniel 8.14, where it says it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be reconstructed, and he runs with it. Now, that was a prophecy, that, a very detailed prophecy that was fulfilled with Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, who was a, a Greek who had conquered, uh, uh, put a, he sacrificed a pig on an altar in the temple back in, uh, before Jesus' time, a few hundred years before Jesus' time, and he was considered to be a precursor to the Antichrist. So when the Bible says, hey, the Antichrist the future, look at Antiochus Epiphanes, that man is going to be uh, kind of a, a forerunner type guy. You can look at him and you'll know what the Antichrist is like. But that has been fulfilled in history. Uh, the Maccabean revolt uh, cleansed the temple and everything was done. But no, he, he runs with that and he finds hidden spiritual meanings in it. He takes, uh, if you read Revelation 11, it talks about these two witnesses that Jesus will have during the seven-year tribulation that's coming up. And their witnesses will they'll be in Jerusalem and they'll share the gospel with the world for three and a half years. And uh, it says the Antichrist will kill him, but after three days, the Lord will resurrect them. Well, no, he says those witnesses aren't real people. It's the church, and God's going to kill the church. And if I can take a side note, whenever these groups come up with date center or come with cults, they always feel that the church needs to be kicked around by God to cleanse it. There's, there's something wrong with the church, and man, he needs to purify it as if Christ's blood alone doesn't purify us from our sins, as the Bible says. But no, the, the church has it coming, and, and, and these guys, that's kind of one of the things they base their translations on as well. The church has got to get beat up by God and for a while and be cleansed, but that's not. He also he takes Bible verses, and he just chops them up. Uh, he throws them in a blender, and, and he gets whatever he wants. He takes little bits of here and little bits of here, and he puts them together, and that's how he comes up. And now all of this is called hermeneutics, which is the art and science of interpretive Bible. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. And these date setter guys, they go the wrong way, because you don't take Bible verses out of context. You don't spiritualize them, giving any meaning you want. And you don't take historically proven events and say, well, they're all future. And he does all of that. And to top it off, being an engineer, uh, which is his background, he loves numbers. He loves to play with numbers. And I'm sure, Brian, you've got emails from people like 10 pages long with all their calculations mm, right. and you know, astrology signs and moons and, and what this meaning and that. And they come up with these ideas of when Jesus could come. And, of course, the good, better ones say, well, you know, we can't know the day or hour, just like Jesus said in Matthew 24. But it's true. They, they play with these numbers and they come up with these spiritualized views of, of what the Bible says, and that's how they come up with all their, their crazy numbers. Like, for instance, six times in Revelation it says that the millennial kingdom of Jesus, when Jesus comes back and rules on earth for 1,000 years, uh, it's 1,000 years. It's that. But no, Harold Campbell says it's really 1,000, you know, almost 2,000 years because that's the church age. And then he mixes the church age, which we're in now, with the millennium, which is a future event. So that's the problem. I mean, any five-year-old could get in the Bible and do what Harold Camping does. Right. Mess things up, throw it around, and take whatever meaning they want out of it. Exactly. And and that reminds me of a saying that you will often quote at Lamb and Lion that I love. And you say when you spiritualize the scriptures, when you spiritualize Bible prophecy, and you don't take it literally, it says, well, when the literal makes sense, uh, look for no other sense or unless you have nonsense or you know, something along that line. That's exactly right. And, and that's what Harold Camping's produced. He's produced a lot of nonsense. And you would think that the last two times that he date-set it and got it wrong, that he would have learned his lesson. But uh, he continues to make nonsense. And 
Well, you can go to uh, Deuteronomy 18, 21, 22. The Bible gives us a litmus test for these type of guys. I mean, the people ask, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Well, the Lord answers. He says, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. Right. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that word, presumptuously. They presume they have some kind of inner knowledge that God has given them, and God says it's not true. And you can tell that if they create a date or they create a prophecy, and it doesn't become true 100%. And that's how we know that Carol Camping's a false prophet. And people should know that. His followers should know that after two failures. But... Uh, some people just have faith in the wrong things. That's exactly right. And, and I'll play a clip later. And, and you're right as far as he uh, spiritualizing things, because once his prediction of May 21st of this past year of this year, once that date passed and there was no rapture of the church, no return, then he, he kind of turned around and said, oh, well, no, it, it really did happen. But we were wrong in the literal sense. He didn't t- return physically, but he returned spiritually. So and then he comes up with all these different things. And so we'll we'll play a clip <laughs> of that later on. Exactly. All right. Well, now let's speak about his end time scenario. It is quite intriguing, or, or I guess I could call it sort of a, a mad scientist way of if his end time scenario. So can you explain his timeline and how he perceives things transpiring on the end times events? Well, you're asking a lot of me, Brian. It's, <laughs> it's trying to like going to an insane asylum and try to make understandings of some rambling, crazy man. But uh, our uh, Dr. Reagan, who uh, Dr. David Reagan is the director of our ministry at Lamb and Lion, and he's done a lot of research in this. And uh, if you go to our website at lamblion.com, he's got to just do a search for camping. And he did a great article on it, and he tries to make sense of that nonsense. Right. And uh, a better man than me, because uh, I had a hard time going through it. So instead of trying to re-put it in my own words, if I may, I'm just going to read the five parts of his end time scenario directly and let folks try to make sense of themselves. We'll all be scratching our heads. Sure. So the first thing that Camping says in his end time scenario is that the church age that we're living in now ended May 21st of 1988. And he says that's the day the tribulation began. So, again, he, he clings to that 88, 1988, and he says that was a real thing that happened. Uh, but, you know, again, it's spiritual. So the church age ended. Surprise. You know, we were pretty young then. And the tribulation, man, we've been living in the tribulation all that time. Now, he says in May 21st, 1988, to September 6th, 1994, which for him is the first six years of the tribulation. Now, the tribulation for him isn't, isn't seven years like the Bible says. It's 23 years to him, and we can get into that later. He said no one was saved between 88 and 94. Now, I worked at a Christian camp in 1993 up in Alaska. Wonderful thing. I saw many, many kids come to the Lord, so right. uh, that's just total bunk. Right. Anyway, uh, September 6, 1994, he says God then turned around and gave to pour out his spirit on the world and that we'd have a great end-time harvest of souls during the last days of this tribulation we're supposedly living. So, you know, we've got uh, six years of just nobody getting saved, and then all of a sudden God's pouring out his blessing and people are getting saved. Uh, the fourth part of his end-time scenario is that the tribulation, like I said, would last 23 years. He takes the 84 months of Revelation 11.2 and 13.5 and says 84 months. Oh, it's 8,400 days. And that's how he comes up with his May 21st, 1988 days. The rapture will occur on May 21st, which we know he didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, after the rapture, he says those left behind will be judged by Jesus for a period of five months 
which will be October 21st, 2000, and that's the date you and I are talking about. So for the last five months since May, Jesus is judging us right now. Now, how he's explaining that when you can go to the Bible and read about the sheep goat judgment where Jesus is literally on the earth, and at the end of the tribulation, he separates the good people he calls sheep, who accepted him as Savior, and the people who reject him as Savior he calls goats, and he sends the goats to, to hell, and the the good people uh, get to live on into the millennial kingdom, uh, those who are saved into the millennial kingdom. So that's a, a crazy problem. But that's basically it. That's how every date that he, he figured the Jesus come, well, he gave it a different meaning and said it was a different thing that happened. And then to the point today where Jesus is judging us right now until October 21st is when that's it. The world will literally. Now, this isn't Jesus coming back. This date, this month, earth will end. He's, so he's not saying Jesus will just come back. He's saying earth will end this month. Mm. Absolute nonsense, without a doubt. And, and that's why, again, as you all state at Lamb and Lion Ministries, when the plain sense makes sense, look for no other sense or else you have nonsense. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, better better you to try to try, try to go through his end time scenario than me, because, yeah, my, my head has been spinning from the time I first looked at it. So, uh, yeah. That, oh, it's, well, it's, cra- it's well, the problem is that, like we said earlier, he takes these numbers and he just assigns random meanings to it. So even if you look at his calculations and try to figure them out, you couldn't without some kind of index that tells you what each of these numbers mean. And when you see these numbers, you have to scratch your head and, and say, what, what could that possibly mean? You know? And then you have to put all those meanings to these dates and then go through the dates. And like you said, man, it makes your head spin. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. You might as well read the ramblings of a crazy man. It means just as much. Right, exactly. All right, Will, now, let's, how did he arrive at this date of May 21st, 1988? He says, as you stated, that was the end of the church age. How did he come to that conclusion that the church age ended in 1988? Oh, that's just as convoluted as his other calculations. <laughs> well, again, he took that verse, uh, Daniel 8:14, where it says uh, about the 2300 days, which was fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes, and he, again, he just goes ahead and he takes the words for days and he says years. I mean, he just runs with years. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up with this idea that it's 2,300 years from Daniel 8.14, which is, uh, I believe, 4.57 when he thinks the temple was cleansed. And then you calculate and you get all the way up to 1994, which is when he said is the reestablishment of the um, first jubilee. Now, this is the key to his entire thinking is that the year of Jubilee, now if you remember, when Joshua crosses the Jordan, every 50 years after that, the Lord said that Israel needed to celebrate a year of Jubilee. That was when people gave their land back and and forgave each other's debts, and so Israel had this cleansing, so to speak, of every 50 years. Well, Harold Camping looked that Israel became a nation again in 1948, and he said, well, the year of Jubilee would be 50 years after that, and get this, for a guy who loves math so much, he came up with 1994. Wow. Now, you and I can calculate that 50 years after 1948 would be what? 1998. (laughs) So for some reason, 1994 is the year of Jubilee, and that's when all this should be happening. Hmm. He says, then the last part of the tribulation is identified. There's a great multitude that's saved, and that's because the year of the Jubilee happened. Um, The first 2,300 days of Daniel, which he said years, would place us at 1988. 
And uh, then he comes up with this idea that, well, since a church was established on the day of Pentecost, then, well, the day before Pentecost must mean that's the last day of the church age, and that's where he got May 21st. So we put that all together, you get May 21st, 1998, and the church age ended and the tribulation began then. So, so, brother, you and me have been living in the tribulation, according to Harold Camping, since 1988. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> again, it makes your head spin. There's, there's really no other way to, to respond to that. And, and he seems to love the date of the 21st. He, you know, you see that pattern. And that brings us to, in his scenario of this year, May 21st, 2011, how did he come to that date for being the date for the rapture of the church after his first prediction of course of 1994 failed then he came up with may 21st 2011 how did he come up with that date but before you answer that question now is probably a good time that we listen to a clip of a cbs news report that was given three days prior to this prediction of may 21st that was supposed to take place let's listen to that clip now that you and i are living at the time of the end of the world. 89-year-old Harold Camping says his 70-year study of the Bible leads him to believe God will destroy the earth starting May 21st, 2011. There's going to be a huge earthquake that's going to make the big earthquake in Japan seem like a Sunday school picnic. The founder of Family Radio in Oakland heard in 48 different languages around the globe has begun a worldwide multi-million dollar campaign to let people know. Billboards up all around the U.S. and several other countries. An atheist group calls it a crock and has begun a counter campaign with billboards denouncing the prediction and plan to party hard that day. To be candid about it, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy for it because it calls attention to us. There is the Mayan prediction of a world ender coming in 2012. Hollywood gave that a big PR bump with a movie. A joke, says Camping, who has also gone into the multimedia business. There's a cartoon to help parents explain it to kids. This date, May 21, 2011, is extremely important as it will also be the first day of judgment, a time of horrible death and destruction for all those who are left behind. Just in case this doesn't happen, can we do an interview with you the next day? I, it, it is absolutely going to happen. There's no way that I could schedule an interview because I won't be here. So there you have it from the mouth of Harold Camping himself. So again, my question, how did he come up with his date of May 21st, 2011? tribulation will last 84 months. Uh, the Bible puts it based on 360 days. Uh, you can go to, uh, if you want to know how long the tribulation is, the Bible gives a, a number of descriptions for it. It says it's one seven-year block, Daniel 9:27, or it consists of two times time and half a time, which is uh, two and a half years, uh, excuse me, three and a half years, Revelation 12, 14, or two 1,260-day periods, which you can find in Revelation 11, 3. And again, the Bible says, well, okay, two 42-month periods of 30 days each, Revelation 11, 2, and 13, 5. So the Bible, in a many different ways, tells you that the tribulation will only last 84 months total, so a total of seven years exactly if you, if you take the months as 30-day months uh, as typical of the Hebrew calendar. But no, he takes that 84 months, he tacks on two zeros and says it's 8,400. And so we end up with, well, the tribulation then is, is 23 years. You take the 8,400 months, you get 23 years. Hmm. So the rapture will occur, according to him, May 21st, 2011. That's because it's 23 years 
after the tribulation that he predicted would be May 21st, 1988. You see how he created that first wrong date, and now he's building all his math on that wrong date and getting more wrong dates. So he's just compounding the problem with his calculations. But no, the, the Bible makes it very clear that, and for your audience, if they don't know what the tribulation is, the tribulation is seven years of judgment that God's promised in the Bible that's going to pour out his judgment on the earth, 21 different judgments, to get people to turn back to him. Now, the church won't be here. We'll be raptured. First uh, Thessalonians 4.17, it says we'll be caught up, we'll be taken. The old Latin word, rapio, or we get rapture, we'll be taken up to heaven. So we won't be here for that. But for those seven years, the earth will, with punishing judgment, half the world population will be destroyed just in the first half. Most of the ecology will be destroyed until Jesus returns. So it will be a terrible time of persecution on the world, especially to the Jews, to force the Jews to turn back to Christ. And the Bible says a third of them will. So that's the tribulation. But Harold Camping says we are in the 23 years of tribulation that where he calculates because he gets the number wrong. And now, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen comets falling from the sky, poisoning the waters and turning into blood. You know, we haven't seen massive world wars that have killed half the world population. We've had bad right. wars, but not that bad. Right. We haven't seen a one-world ruler, which the Bible calls Antichrist, come to the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have uh, the, the waters going bad. We don't have plagues. And the Bible even talks about demons being released and in fact, uh, punishing people for five months, and five months is another date, that time that Harold Camping runs with, too. So I, I don't know about you, but for the last, since 1988, we have not been living in this type of scenario. So that there should tell people that his math is just totally wrong. Absolutely. And as you say, that goes along with how he just loves to play with numbers. Um, you mentioned earlier he's a former engineer, and so he has that in his background. He just loves to play with numbers, and he combines that with Bible prophecy, and he just throws all these crazy scenarios out there. But I guess he's able to convince some people. Obviously, he has a large following because he has these numbers that on the surface, I guess they, they look like they may make some sense. And so they just accept his calculations, accept what he says, and they go along with it. If you got you hit the nail on the head, it's it's because most people cringe at the math that we just accept it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. By faith, we accept Christ as Savior. But some people, and that's great because he's perfect, you know, he's God. But to, to do that with people and with, have 100% faith in people who have been proven wrong in the past, you can't have that. I mean, you can't have that. Right. And that's what he does. He's, he's such a profound thinker. And he, he has all this great math, and he overwhelms you. And that's a typical of a cult thing. They'll overwhelm you with too much information. Think, wow, this guy must be really smart. I can't figure it out, but he's got it. So they put all their faith in him, and they believe in whatever he says. Exactly. Exactly. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus Christ stated that only the Father knows the date of his return. Now, for Harold Camping, how does he reconcile this? How does he make the scripture coexist with his date-setting theory, considering that Jesus Christ said only the Father knows the date of his return? Well, he believes that that is a temporal command or a temporal reality that God uh, did not alone knows, but that was for a limited amount of time. I'm on his website right now, where we can know.com, and they've got a scrolling bunch of verses that are going through, and each one is about how God will give us this understanding in the end times. Nehemiah 8 8 is up right now. He causes them to understand the reading, or he goes to Luke 24 45. They, and opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And so he takes verses like that. Oh, here's another one, Isaiah 30:20. Ye shall not 
thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. So he has this general view that in the end times, just before Jesus came, that a certain amount of people will be given that knowledge that Jesus says that only the Father has. And our eyes will be opened. Now, of course, who is that person whose eyes are opened? Well, it's not everybody. It's only Harold Camping. Hmm, right. Ta-da! You know, <laughs> he's the one who's got, and he takes these verses well out of context. So, uh, you know, that's just a given right there. So he got this idea that these, this information is his and his alone to interpret. And because the, God has given this, this special blessing of understanding that the world can know when Jesus is returning through Harold Camping. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that, as you mentioned earlier, without a doubt, it's needless to say that you believe that what we see here going on with Harold Campin is the emergence of a new cult leader. And as what cult leaders do, they will often spiritualize things, as you were stating earlier, in order to brainwash their followers to believe the things that they're saying. So let's take a moment and listen to a clip of what Harold Campin's response was following the failed prediction of May 21st. This was on May 22nd in a BBC News clip of Harold Campin. We were convinced that on May 21, a God would return here in a very physical way, that is, that in a, by bringing a great earthquake and by ushering in the final five months of the Day of Judgment. And, uh, and, uh, and the fact is, when we look at it spiritually, then we find he did come, he did come. Now let me back up. Let me. Uh, the fact is, you're going to find out that I'm going to be saying, "There's not a new date. There's not a new date." We've already been talking uh, again and again about uh, the end of the world being October 21 in 2011. October 21, and uh, but we have not emphasized that because the first, the first down payment or the beginning of it was the fact that we would see all of these things happening and usher into a five-month period of very, very terrible time. Are you willing to publicly apologize for what you said about May 21, the character? For your mistake. For your mistake. I can, if if, if people want me to apologize, I can apologize, yes, I did not have it. All of that worked out as accurately as it as I should have, or I wish I could have had it. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all because I, I I'm not a I'm not a genius, and I I do I pray all the time for wisdom, and and when I make an error, then I may I say yes I was wrong. I have said that already three more than several times tonight. I was wrong. It was to be understood spiritually not uh, not uh, uh, phys- physically and yet the sense of it is still the same that judgment has come it, the world is now under judgment where it was not prior to May 21 spiritually there's a big difference in the world that we can't detect it all with our eyes but we can know from the Bible so what do you say Nathan sound like a cult leader to you Yeah. It's interesting. We uh, did a, before May, we had uh, James Walker of Watchman Fellowship at our ministry. James is great. His whole ministry is about dealing with the cults. He was a, actually a fourth generation Mormon until he studied and realized that Mormonism was a cult. 
And his website, uh, you go to watchman.org, has four ways to define a cult. And uh, if I might read that, the first one is that they add to God's word with new scripture. Two, they subtract from who Jesus is. Three, they multiply the requirements for salvation. And four, they divide their followers' loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're asking if Harold Camping is a cult I would, leader, I would say definitely. One, the idea that only he has special knowledge from God, and he knows the date or time despite what the Bible says, and he adds to the scripture with all his interpretations that are, are clearly not contextual, then yes, he falls under that first definition of a cult. Does he subtract from Jesus? Yes, I would say he does that too. In uh, one of his books, uh, let's see here, if I remember which one, eh, it's not coming to my head, I'm sorry about that, but he says that the angel um, Michael, Archangel Michael, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, the end of the church age and after is Harold Camping's book he put out in 2002. If you want to find that quote, okay. he uh, said that quote there. You can pay, find it on page 56. So he even says that Jesus isn't just the divine father, and he does attribute divinity to Jesus, but he says he's the archangel Michael, which is <laughs> a very cultish thing to say. Right. Uh, does he multiply the requirements for salvation? After he said that God washed his hands of the church in 1988, that the afterwards every church denomination out there was apostate because hey there shouldn't be any church so what he did is he called for all people to leave their churches and to join his now ministry it's not a church <laughs> they do things like church they get together they worship they, all, they do everything in church but you know by any other name right mm-hmm. and so, but he calls it a ministry so if you join his family ministry then you're you're good you're you you'll be saved but if you go to these other churches baptist you name it, whatever, Methodist, Lutheran, you're not saved. Well, that's very cultic right there. Cults always claim that they have the special knowledge and you have to join them to be saved. Also, what they do is they divide their followers' loyalties, as James Walker said. And clearly he's doing that. He's telling people to leave their churches, to leave the Father, to put their faith in him and not their faith in Jesus Christ, per se. So that's a very cultic thing, too. So if you go by uh, Watchman Fellowship's four definitions of a cult, then I would say, yes, he follows every single one of them to a T. Yeah, and you're right with dividing people's loyalties. That made me think about there was a report of a lady that I think it was on May the 2nd. She passed away, and when they went and read her will, it, they found that she actually had left, I believe the number was $350,000 to Harold Camping's ministry and left absolutely nothing to her family. So that's another sign of a cult leader. Definitely. It, 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 sad thing with cults, it always comes down to money. Right. There's right. always some bottom figure that they're trying to get, and they'll keep people strung along. Now, Harold Camping's a, a different odd bird. Uh, you could really see it after the May 21st date this year didn't, came and passed, that there was just something. He looked physically shaken, like there was something wrong about it. You know, I, I don't know his heart or anything, but I, mm. I truly believe that Harold Camping really believes all his numbers and figures and that he's specially assigned to God, by God, all this information. But most of the cults, they, they do this because for their own personal gain. They do it for money. Right. And uh, right. you can even see that pattern in the Old Testament. All the false prophets would come. They did it for wealth or fame or power. And, and 
it's a sad thing. So we've seen, yes, there's definitely a financial side to what Harold Campton's doing and a very lucrative financial side. Mm, yeah, exactly. And another characteristic you often see with cults are suicides. Unfortunately, there in 1994, after his field prediction, a man committed suicide. Then this year, that was a 47-year-old lady in Southern California that attempted suicide by uh, killing herself, slitting the wrist and throat of her 11 and 14-year-old daughters. Unfortunately, People found someone found them before they they bled to death. But that's, again, another sign of a cult leader when you see people committing suicides as a result of their teachings. What brings you back to those horrible pictures of Jim Jones, you know, they all drank the Kool-Aid. And Mm -hmm. when the people came and find the camp, everyone was dead all over the place. And a number of years back, do you remember the, the cult out there in California who thought a spaceship was coming to take them away and they were all sitting <laughs> on their suitcases ready to go right. and uh, when it didn't happen they all killed themselves and see that's that's the real sad thing i mean people today and i guess people through all generations they want hope you know that they, they want to know that th- this earth isn't all there is and they'll put their faith wholeheartedly into everything but the bible or to something quasi bible and when it doesn't happen just like with William Miller, the great disappointment, that's what they get. They get this great disappointment. Oh, man, my leaders betrayed me. The Lord's betrayed me. And what hope do they have? They feel like, well, there is no future. What can I believe? And either they go despondent or they lose all faith in God whatsoever, or even worse, like, like you're, you told me, they, they kill themselves. And that is a, a sad thing. And I can't imagine the judgment on these false prophets when they stand before God one day. Oh, you are so right there. And, yeah, there are the ones who do not c- commit suicide. Yeah, a lot of them will probably never trust the pastor again. They'll just turn away from Christianity altogether. And that is a sad thing. And as you stated, yeah, these cult leaders who are causing these people to, to turn that way, yeah, there's definitely, I think, a great judgment awaiting for them um, at some point in the future. Well, especially when it comes to the judgment themselves, like, for instance, Harold Camping teaches in a book I just quoted that when an unbeliever dies, he'll be judged by God and then annihilated. So he doesn't even teach about hell. You know, we, uh, Rob Bell came out with a book recently that, that teaches there's no hell. This, this general idea is that cults will, will try to teach you that there is no punishment for your sins. That's going to be terribly bad. I mean, nothing's wrong with annihilation. An atheist, that's their desire is to be just winked out of existence and annihilated. But the Bible teaches very respectfully about there being a hell, a place of eternal punishment, a, a place where you're just separated from God, where you're lonely, where it's dark and you can't see anything, where you have this feeling of falling all the time, where it has this awful smell, where, where you're trapped with your, your regrets for eternity and, and the pain. and the, the, It's called torment. You know? <laughs> they call it a lake of fire for a reason. There, there's burning and suffering. And it's very real. In, in our society today, we... We kind of just pushed hell off as just a joke or a place where Satan is ruling, which is not the case. It was originally created for Satan as demons, according to Matthew 25. And so they give these people a false hope in heaven, but also to steal away their understanding that their sins matter and that there's a hell to pay for it without accepting Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf. That's a greater... um, I just... uh, Just... Sorry. <laughs> it just bothers me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same here. Same here. And so in that closing minutes here, I would like for you to speak to, as you stated earlier, we are having this discussion today because, of course, the May 21st date came and went. Nothing happened according to Camping's prediction. But now he has October 21st circled. There are, again, people out there who are deceived, who are looking at that date and thinking something is going to happen. And 
who knows when when this date comes and goes if there will be again more suicides or attempted suicides if they have a big propaganda out there and they're even my understanding is his his family radio organization actually created a cartoon back for the may 21st prediction to explain to little children what is going to happen as far as life ending as we know it and so they are deceiving people on all levels so there are some who are now nervously sitting and waiting for october 21st to come so what what comments or or advice could you give to those people concerning what's to come and and the way that we should approach this date After May 21st, one of the scenes that bothered me the most was the uh, <clears throat> number of atheist parties they had after that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a huge joke, and, and atheists are perfect examples of Second Peter 3.3. 3. It says, first of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffering and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he's promised. Well, ever since our fathers died, everything goes on is the same since the beginning of creation. And the Bible says in verse 5, but they deliberately forgot that long ago by God's word the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. In other words, they, they say the creation didn't happen. So it points to evolutionists, it points to atheists, it points to scoffers. And, uh, but the Bible says, verse 7, but the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction for ungodly men. And we're like, well, why, Lord, why haven't you come? Why is it taking so long? Well, verse 9 tells us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Now, some understand slowness, you know, as we humans do. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So for those who are scoffing out there, then they're going to have a party about this no matter what. They have refused, the Bible says, uh, they have decided themselves, they've decided to become willfully ignorant, about to deliberately forget about God, about his creation, about it. And so they will scoff at this. The media, man, you know, they love to have a party with this. And I'm sure it's October 21st. They probably won't have as big as a party as they did on May 21st. But it was all the media and all the news. And it just bashed the Bible. And it was so sad to see those people out there laughing as if they escaped. But the Bible says that the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. So for those who do not believe that Jesus is coming, he will, and he'll come in his own time, not the time of Harold Camping, not the time of other men, only Jesus knows, and the Bible tells us that he will come, and the earth is reserved for heaven, when Jesus does finally come and takes his church out of here, there will be that tribulation, that awful seven years of judgment on the world, that men will know there's a God, and they will need to decide one way or another, the choice will be clear, decide a guy or not. So if the folks out there who haven't accepted Jesus as Savior, don't listen to these nuts like Harold Camping. Obviously, they're false prophets, and obviously, they're meant to lead you astray. But the Lord has a purpose for you. He has died on the cross for your sins. He loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son, and Jesus beat death by coming back to life. And if we put our faith in him, we can be saved. We might not know the date the Lord comes, but we can be prepared for it. So that's the number one thing. If you're not a believer in Christ, you can prepare for the Lord's return, which it will. The Bible promises, Jesus, I will return. Prepare by giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are already saved, don't listen to guys like this. Obviously, don't put your all your money and your efforts and your faith in a man who, according to the Bible, according to Deuteronomy 18, is a proven false prophet. He is not a real person. There's no reason to put your faith in that man. Put your faith in the Bible. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't know, have to know all the ins and outs like Brian and I. You know, we love to study Bible prophecy. We love to understand the Lord's return. But even we admit 
that we don't have all the answers. The Lord didn't give us all the dates and times and settings, so we just have to trust that the Lord will come back and not beat ourselves up trying to find the exact date or moment. So live your lives holy. Live your lives right before God. If I, like you, Brian, I have, I have kids, and I don't know how many times you walk in and they're doing something they won't, and they give you this look, you know, you know the look. They hope they're doing something wrong. Right. We don't want to be like that when Jesus returns. When our Heavenly Father comes in, what will we be doing? Absolutely. We'll be serving Him, as the Bible says, and doing good works, which He prepared for us to do, or are we just living for ourselves? So we have to devote ourselves to holy living and to sharing the gospel. The Bible, there's so many people out there that need to know the Lord. I mean, the Lord is waiting. As Second uh, Peter 3 said, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants it. That's what He's waiting for. To every person who is saved or meant to be saved in the church age will be saved, and then He'll come. And that's what we're waiting for. So thank goodness for that. Otherwise, if He came even 40, 50 years ago, I wouldn't even exist today. So thank mm-hmm. the Lord for His patience. Right. So give your heart to the Lord. Devote yourself to holiness and devote yourself to evangelizing and sharing the gospel with others. Great advice, Nathan. Those are just great inspirational words, and I thank you so much for that. And I'll just add also to the the listeners out there, for the believers, the truth seekers who believe in Bible prophecy and study and are looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Do not allow this this kind of thing with, with Harold Camping and the fallout from the media to cause you to stray away from proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. He is coming back soon. There are many who throw us all in the category of Harold Camping and they say we're just fanatics and they say we're crazy. Don't allow that to deter you. Um, I'm also concerned that a lot of pastors will choose to to stay silent on this message and not preach it in churches because they don't want to be categorized as a as a lunatic. But Jesus Christ is coming again and, and just stand on the truth of his word and not listen to these date setters as Harold Camping. So Nathan is, as always, wonderful talking with you. Great, great advice and great information. And can you give again for the listeners who want to find your information and also this article here from Dr. Dave Reagan concerning the dangers of date, date setting on your website? If you could please provide that information for us. Sure. Our ministry's website is www.lamblion.com. Kind of way to remember it, people reverse it. They'll come up with weird names like the Lemon and Lime Ministry or the Leg of Lamb <laughs> Ministry, but it's Lamb Lion because Jesus first came as a suffering lamb. He's going to return as a conquering lion, a conquering king, so it's lamblion.com. Go to our website uh, under articles. You go under uh, cults. You can find Harold Camping or just do a search. We also did a TV show with James Walker of Watchman Fellowship. Uh, it's, it's actually one of the most visited of our shows on YouTube right now. Mm. And everyone wants to know about, you know, what's this deal with Harold Camping. You can also watch our television show with him. It's very informative. And uh, if you want to talk about Bible prophecy, we've got a blog. And you get a daily dose of Bible prophecy there. we got a Facebook group, almost uh, 5,000 people on there. Uh, you can watch our TV show, Christ and Prophecy, on a number of major networks, and they're listed on the website as well. And uh, you can also sign up for a newsletter every other week. We'll send you a newsletter and uh, and just tell people about what's going on in the world and uh, how they can know Jesus as their Savior. All right, great. Well, again, Nathan, thank you for joining us. Been great, great interview, great conversation. And to all of our listeners out there, Jesus Christ is coming soon. So be hopeful, be watchful, keep looking up for his soon return is near. Many blessings to all. You've been listening to Bible teacher Brian C. Thomas, founder and president of Blessings to Israel Ministries. Brian and Blessings to Israel Ministries reserve all copyright protections under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available at our website, blessingstoisrael.com. 
Until next time, remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and bless God's great nation of Israel.